We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And Anthony Davis rejoined after missing the last 30 games, playing in the first half, playing 17 minutes, went a couple minutes over his minutes restriction, did not play at all in the second half. The Lakers fell. They kept it competitive in the second half, but they didn't quite have enough to get the victory. But tonight is really all about uh, Anthony Davis and, and his return. Darius, I'd, I'd love to hear what, what were your first impressions of AD back in the lineup? I mean, he played about to the level that I expected, honestly. Um, I, I wrote in my little preview for the game to sort of keep our expectations in check and to mm-hmm. understand that we all have this excited sort of giddiness, right, about AD being back and the prospects of of what that could mean. And we've been talking about AD a fair amount once it was announced that, that he would be returning soon. And this idea of understanding that when he's at his best, that he can tilt the balance of power in the entire league, right? Especially when paired with a player like LeBron. But he's not going to be anywhere near his best or at his peak yeah. anytime soon really. Um, And what I was looking for this game was mostly just for AD to get some reps in, right? And for him to look comfortable moving around the floor 
and get in his minutes, get up and down the floor a few times, and, and just see how that goes. And and from that perspective, I thought tonight was a success for him. I think you can throw out the stats. There were right. He had what four points. He, two for 10 from, from the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple of plays though, where I thought, ah, there's that dude, right? He, he had um, that defensive possession against Porzingis where Porzingis tried to up fake him and then drive and then went into his jump shot and AD slid, slid with him and elevated and blocked his jumper at the top of Porzingis's release. And, Porzingis is a seven foot two dude with with a high release point and AD got it up there and blocked it. He he had that nice steal on the weak side where he was playing two and just sort of showed those are the types of plays that you anticipate him making more and more. There were also a, a couple of plays where it's just like, oh, you were not just a step slow on that oh, yeah. rotation, right? Yeah. He was a step and a half or yeah. two steps slow. And, and that's There's some the rough type defensive of, positions, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's just the type of stuff that you expect from a guy who hasn't mm-hmm. played in nine weeks, right? He got hurt on Valentine's Day and broke our hearts, right, on, on Valentine's Day. And, and that was nine weeks ago, man. We're in, We're approaching the last week of April now. And to see him out there at all, and just moving freely because Mike, you remember those last, I want to say week and a half or two weeks before AD got, got hurt. He did not look 100% physically during any of that stretch before he got hurt and was out for this period of, well, of time, right? He, he looked to be laboring a lot. He did not look as light, light on his feet. And, And I thought, Today was a major step forward from what we saw from him last, even though he's not, he, he's clearly still knocking off the rust. For sure. It, tonight's game was tricky because the Lakers were trying to accomplish two completely different things. One of them was to win the game. The other one was to reintegrate one of the five best players in the NBA who was only going to be playing 15 and as it turned out, nearly 17 minutes. And by the way, I don't think he went past his minutes limit. Just Vogel said around 15, and it turns out it could have been more like 15 to 20, um, as AD described it. So, uh, gotcha. but that, yeah, so that wasn't a thing. But I, I just saw, and that's where I think if you bring into context the standings and the Mavericks and this whole thing about the seventh seed and how much everybody's been focusing on it, which to me, by the way, is just not that important. And Dennis Schroeder spoke to this after the game. So that's – you have to kind of – and I know the, the three of us are, are kind of texting during the game, and there there were so many plays that just – if you were just watching it and you looked at the records and you, you were watching the game, they were frustrating. The Lakers were making some mistakes. They weren't uh, they weren't doing the things that they typically do defensively. They're missing layups. There's all of the all of these little things that in the in the – like the tiny micro part of the day are annoying, but then in the big picture, stepping aside – it, you kind of remember the the things like, okay, well, AD looks pretty healthy. That's the biggest thing. Uh, Drummond had, another, had a good game against a better opponent. Schroeder was nails. He was awesome all night. KCP was great. Um, Kuzma missed some shots, but like had his moments. He was plus 12. And then there were some guys that really played poorly. They kind of dragged the overall effort down whose minutes 
would just if if you had to win that game like for seeding would have been cut and they would have gone away from it right so that was the thing Pete that I struggled some with is that in is not getting kind of locked up on those elements of things that were that would have been frustrating to just if you didn't know all the context and then trying to zoom out as we try to do on this pod and think about what AD's return means big picture wise yeah, I'm I'm in zoom out mode right now. Like you said, we were talking about some of the frustrations, most of which were uh, based around focus in tonight's game. Uh, we give up a ton of dunks in this game. If you're playing good half court defense, you don't give up a dunk, right? Like somebody's got to make a, a a shot there. The rotations were slow. There are certain elements of like a first glimpse of what does the team look like, especially with uh, Drummond and AD. This is our first glimpse at all of that. Um, but I do want to st- start a little zoomed out with AD in just terms of how he looks, even in a literal sense. He looks skinnier. He's like t- looks a good ten pounds skinnier to me than he was when when he left. I don't know that for sure, but it's it's noticeable to my my eye at least. He was a step slow. But it was for two reasons, both that I think were short term is one, his wind. I, I thought it was fascinating that maybe there's, you know, medical reasons for consolidating all of the minutes into the first half. But there's a difference between a 15 to 20 minute minutes restriction and having all of that come in one half. That's like normal starters minutes. I was cracking up because the last play of the first half AD turned up his energy level and and just kind of the juice he was playing with in that last little two minute shift to end the half or however long it was it was like two to four minutes but is that's where he got the the block against Porzingis he had one play where he sprinted up and down the court twice which I know sounds like so small but at the speed of the NBA this is exactly what AD is going through to get back to being that guy that you were talking about Darius right is. He's got to be able to make that run. And the very last play, we had the ball, and it was one of those deals where the shot clock is off and you don't want to attack too early. So everyone's kind of standing around for 10 seconds waiting for the right time to attack. And AD's sitting, standing at the elbow, and he's got the old, like, hand on his hip, and he is sucking wind, man. I was laughing. I'd never seen him that winded, at least in a regular season game, right? A couple times in the finals when he was laboring, but he was struggling, right? And so, Mike, that whole, like, that energy level and all of that, to me, those types of things, it's like, it's going to work like that, especially while there's the mental side of, like, this is a fat, it's one thing to be looking at it on the iPad. It's a very, a whole other different thing to be between the lines and making all these decisions very quickly so he looked a step slow to me but like just strictly on a physical basis he looked good yeah it's it's a good way to phrase it i think too pete it's a good way to to contextualize what ad accomplished tonight because it's like if he would have if he would have just hit a cut like he had a couple of the layup just was close right rimmed oh, uh-huh. out. off the pick had, and roll mm-hmm. yeah i mean he had a couple of jump shots rim out and then all of a sudden instead even if he's four for ten Instead of two for ten, it's kind of like, oh, okay, he was, in, yeah, he got some of his rhythm back, and like he did have the defensive sequence that uh, that Darius pointed out earlier. So I was, I was almost literally just watching his legs to an extent, just to kind of see what the athletic movements were. And I asked him after the game if there was any kind of a mental edge, or not, not mental edge, if there was any kind of a mental block, almost like was he thinking about the leg? And I thought his response was really, was really good, it, it, at least for us to hear and then he said he didn't think once about the leg he didn't think at all about it and that's a healthy guy right that's not a guy 
that's yeah. still kind of feeling something, Darius, that he's pushing through because he has to get back. That's a guy who's been healthy now for a couple of weeks. And if the thing that we notice most, as Pete just laid out, is that he's sucking wind, awesome. Like I, yeah, <laughs> I love that he's sucking wind, exactly. and he's, and he's mm-hmm. not thinking. Wait, I'm man, I'm a little tight. I'm a little tight in the leg. He's not way. tentative, right? He's not scared. Yeah, yeah. Look, I've referenced JJ Reddick's pod a few times, and there was an episode I can't remember who he was talking to, but he was talking about coming back from an injury and the mindset that a player has, and that it's weird. At first, and it's hard, Mike, to not have that mental block about I was hurt. I was hurt in this very specific way, and I was very limited because of that ailment that I had to work my way back from. And now that I'm in an NBA game, do I want to push in the same way that I may have gotten hurt? doing it before, right? And AD was dealing with a calf and Achilles injury, basically. And look, man, I'm not a high-level athlete. I run a couple of miles a day. And I will tell you, you are pushing off of your foot. I don't like how many times a game, Pete, as as a basketball player? Hundreds, right? Like a thousand times a game? Right. Like these guys, if you're a guy like Reddick, but even a guy like AD who runs paint to paint, right, who runs like basket to basket, big guys run a ton. They don't run around the floor as often as like a shooting guard might. But they when you're talking about sucking wind, it's because AD is defending the rim on one end and then running to the rim on 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 the other side of the court he's covering a ton of distance right whereas a guy like jj reddick is mostly running three-point line to three-point line in terms of his defensive responsibilities to his offensive responsibilities exactly so mike when you're talking about ad saying he didn't think about it at all like maybe some of that is is just sort of like giving the fans or or people like what they want to hear a little bit right but but i believe in that as well that that because he was moving freely and not once did i think oh he's he's laboring the thing that i also appreciated about his his performance tonight is that mentally he seemed sharp enough to me like his timing was not there Clearly, but mentally, there was a play where he was. It was a nice little sequence from him offensively. It was, I, I think this was his first basket, but um, he might have been being defended by Dorian Finn, Finney Smith, but it was definitely a smaller defender. And he took mm-hmm. that guy to the post, quick baseline drop step, little right hand floater, classic AD move, right? I think it was the next possession or two possessions later. He's got the ball in the post. Same exact scenario. He's backing down a smaller defender. Double team comes. Quick skip pass over the top to like beating the rotation, right? Because the rotation is going from wing to top of the key because the rotation came from one pass away for him. So he read that perfectly. Skip pass right out of his hands into the shooter's pocket. 
wide open three, bury it. I, that might have been Macklemore who who uh, hit the three. And yep. it's stuff like that where he's thinking the game clearly. And there wasn't a lot of like mental, the game is moving too fast for me. It was more timing stuff where he's just not used to that speed yet and understanding of what his movements are within the context of like oh there was that play where Porzingis got downhill off of a show and go and got up for the dunk and that's the rotation Pete where I think that you're talking about where hey man like in a normal situation AD is meeting him at the top there but he by the time AD was about to make his step in, Porzingis was already up in the air. And it was, late. It, yeah. it was way late, way later than what you would expect from an Anthony Davis rotation. So there's timing stuff there, but he clearly understood where he. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed needed to be he just wasn't getting there in the right sort of time frame that 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 he typically would yeah absolutely I think all in all um how he looked physically again I thought I thought he looks you know about 10 pounds lighter and he was moving well I loved that all those minutes were consolidated into the first half so he got to get winded and he got to play tired and experienced that first time so I thought that was a, a great success uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, I would love to talk about the basketball of it. Some, we got to see yeah. some fits for the first time, and I thought that this was a really interesting microcosm of both what will be great about this and what might be frustrating about it. So let's take a break, and we'll come back and talk. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. 
Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So first play of the game. AD ends up shooting a jumper from the left wing or so about 18, 20 feet away. Back rims it. Andre Drummond battles Kristaps Porzingis and I believe Finney Smith on that play. And gets this like triple jump type of rebound. Fantastic offensive rebound. Boards it, kicks it out to KCP. That's the first of the five threes that KCP hit, right? I think we saw little glimpses. And this plays into the whole like conditioning, I think was a big part of why this game with AD went the way it did. Because even though AD was not making shots, he got a a few shots in that first shift. Even though the the beginning of that shift, we were dominating them. They said they had some stat where uh, uh, Billy Mack was like, oh yeah, that's the first rebound of the game. And it's like five minutes into the game where we were physically really punishing them. And despite the fact that AD was missing jumpers, he he'll make when he's in rhythm or like that roll to the basket, there was a real physical dominance that we saw there. And then once I AD got tired, especially we were really slow in our rotations. The ball starts whipping around. We are, our defensive rebounding was killing me tonight. But anyway, the, like we saw a little flicker, a little flash of what I think this team could be. And, and Mike, that, that like matchup, that duo of AD and, and Drummond, what were your first impressions uh, of that pairing? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring Drummond and AD's thoughts into this a little bit from their post game. Cause I, I wanted to know about that specific stretch that you just cited Pete. And so they go up 14, six when Dallas takes the timeout. Um, you're right. So like I'm during those timeouts, usually I'm talking to the producer and I'm just kind of looking at the box score real quick. And, and oh, Dallas doesn't have a rebound yet. Right. This is it's just sort of it tells you a little bit. because So, A, you know, they like the Lakers had shooter flew, uh, flew in for the offensive rebound, kicked it out. Drummond flew in. The Lakers hit their other shots. You know, Dallas hit two or four and the Lakers grabbed the two rebounds. And it was just a it was an athletic, physical dominance that you think, OK, well, yeah, because it's Porzingis. Out of the court, he's just physically not a matchup for Drummond. Drummond's going to be able to control him inside. I think that's one of the reasons why we saw him go off. And then it's AD, uh, who in this case negates Dwight Powell, you know, who is typically a pretty good athlete. He's coming off an injury. But this is the most, this is to me, the Drummond part of this is the most interesting because we already know that AD can play with KCP. He knows exactly how to play off. And we know from earlier this season that Shooter can have a lot of success playing alongside AD. Um, we know that Kuzma has that experience. So how is Drummond going to look? What is this piece of it going to be like? And if you consider not just that first stretch, but Drummond's whole game, this is an Andre Drummond-type stat line. like 14 points, 19 rebounds, 3 blocks, 3 assists. We've seen him do that throughout the course of his career. And I think that's the more comfortable Drummond where he just he doesn't have to worry about carrying a certain piece of the offense Darius he can yeah. he can go attack the backboard and he said post game to kind of circle back where I started this uh this little speech he was he's almost shocked being out there like wait they're just ignoring the best he called himself the best rebounder in the, in the NBA <laughs> I can just go yeah. to the glass cuz AD's yeah. out there and and Bron isn't even there yet and so Drummond's yeah. just thinking his eyes are just wide he's like whoa this is easy we talked about this the last pod right? When we talked about 
AD's teammates would have to adjust to him, right? And one of the key points I thought that we made on that pod was the idea of turning Drummond into a weak side player versus a strong side player. And Pete, you were astutely pointing out that one of the areas that was going to benefit him most is on the offensive glass because his man has help responsibilities now that go beyond Drummond and Drummond's rebounding prowess. If you have to split the difference between the front of the rim and Drummond in the dunker spot, or even a little bit closer because Drummond doesn't like to hang out too far out there in in the dunker spot, he is going to maneuver and get you into a poor rebounding position over and over again. And it wasn't even that he grabbed all of those boards. It was the fact that he was just getting his hands on them, tipping them around, right? Keeping the ball alive. And then when he has the ball in the post, the help, the big to big help is not coming as as quickly, right? When he is paired with, with AD. And that's a different sort of look that Drummond is now going to get in terms of way more one-on-one action. I don't know if you want to get into this now, Pete, or if you want to wait until late during the pod, but I'd love to hear your thoughts about what the AD Drummond pairing looked like to you defensively, because I think that was more of an area of intrigue to us. We sort of understood that Drummond's Offensive role was going to diminish some. Of course, in the second half, it sort of went back to what we have been used to seeing a little bit more pick and roll with him and Schroeder. I thought Drummond um, acquitted himself well in those situations, really got down downhill some and, and got some finishes there. But in that first half, was there anything that stood out to you defensively in the pairing of, of AD and Drummond that maybe you found intriguing and and something that is a positive or even going in the other direction that that sort of gave you a little bit of pause, like, hmm, let's see if that's going to linger or if that's just sort of first game adjust, like adjusting to to a new teammate. Yeah, let's let's actually start there. This team has been so theoretical for much of the season because of the injury issues. And then Drummond is such a significant pickup that – just the dynamic. It is a different team. It is a fundamentally different team. They didn't just sign him to fill a small role. He is the starting center and getting more minutes than Mark Gasol ever got, right? So it is a, a fundamental shift in the team. So up until this point, it's been largely theoretical in nature. And I've been so enamored with the speed of the team uh, and specifically the ability to get out into transition. But there are different versions of speed in which me describing our starting lineup, for example, as fast is 10 out of 10 true in certain instances. But I thought we saw tonight some of the ways in which they can be slow. And that's in short area bursts, specifically when it comes to rotating to the three-point line and even tracking down long rebounds. Although I think that that'll be, that should be fine. But the, the rotations, Drummond is a very heavy-footed guy. Right. He's just a he's lumbering to to some degree. And so if he is anticipating going in a certain direction, 
he can really explode in that direction. And that's when you see him jumping passing lanes. That's when you see him getting up court first. All that's great. He's fantastic at that. If his weight is shifting, if the ball gets moved to a spot he wasn't expecting it to, it takes him longer to transfer his weight, which makes sense, right? Dude's like 280. It takes him longer to transfer his weight, and his steps to that weak side are slower. And so the theory, I think, of this team is that we will be fast enough on the perimeter to play a style of play that really big teams haven't been able to play. Like the league's gotten smaller and smaller because you've had to defend the perimeter more and more. Where is the point where you are fast enough with those big guys to be able to rotate to open three-point shooters to the three-point line? And that I like I'm I'm fairly certain we will be fine and especially as the stakes go up. But there were a few points, Mike, where I thought we were kind of like the Giants being spun around by the Lilliputians, right? And because they were kind of whipping the ball all over the place and our, our heads were spinning. So I, I think that's like team's best shot because you're not going to be bigger than us at any point. Uh I, I saw some things on on that. Yeah, I think this this plays a little bit, Pete, into the first point I think I made, which was trying to just win this game, what rotation Frank Vogel may have picked versus mm-hmm. just trying to get guys out there, trying to find some level of continuity, trying to figure out which lineups yeah. are going to be around AD. Because you're right, there, but there, there are so many easy fixes for the Lakers if that's happening. And, of course, the, the automatic one, which wasn't always available tonight, is to go AD at the five, right, and just kind of go smaller that way. But you could also do it by you know just playing Keith more, um, you know, playing uh, not playing Harrell as much. Uh, if if Tht is getting stuck in certain rotations, uh, playing Wes Matthews, right? Uh, in like so there are there are so many different things that they can go to, I think, to adjust over the course of a playoff series. But I'm I think that these next couple of weeks are going to be a little bit more like we saw tonight, uh, where where they're just trying to establish some level of continuity around AD and get him up to speed. And I said THT, but that also could have been just like Matthews in for Macklemore, uh, which Pete, I know you had mentioned on our, on our group thread. And that right there is a, a pretty big difference defensively without necessarily losing the three point edge. Even if we think that Macklemore at this stage has more gravity uh, than Wes. Right. But so like there are, for yeah, sure. so there are, there are so many things I think you can do to address that. But in watching the game tonight, it was definitely apparent, and I think that that, that hurt them. Uh, th- there's no doubt about it. And the, Darius, the question for me is how much Drummond, to, to kind of get to Pete's original point, how much he plays into that and how many of those lineups that he's in um, can be compensated by, based on who Vogel puts in around him. Yeah. I'm interested to see how much Vogel... So Vogel is clearly playing Drummond a lot, A, because I think he values Drummond. And B, I think that he really wants to get as much tape on him as he can and and learn as much about him as a player within the scheme that he wants to run in order to see what he does and does not do well. When putting him next to AD, one of the things that I noticed... in this game specifically, but but I think it's been true of Drummond since he's since we've been watching him more closely and he's been on the Lakers is and this speaks to some of your point, Pete, that there is a a shifting of the hips 
that can be problematic for him when he is engaged at the point of attack and then there's a drop-off pass and then he has to drop that hip in order to open up to the new angle in order to contest something that is coming downhill at him. Drummond can look a lot like Dwight physically from last season, right? Because he will sit low in his stance in the same same way. He has very similar hand and arm placement in terms of his want to stab at the ball and sort of disrupt the ball handler. But Dwight had much better instincts and feel for how to open up that hip, very much like how a cornerback would if he was... Mm-hmm. Or even a linebacker, right, who is in the hole and he's filling and then the guy busts outside and it's just like, oh, I got to get that outside hip open and then chase, right? And Drummond gets caught in between a little bit and he is not as quick at, at making that. And so I thought his pairing with AD was good when Drummond could keep everything in front of him because AD's ability to sort of cover up on the weak side is still there. Where I thought it was not as good was when Drummond had to play two in very tight quarters and was not able to sort of cover for himself in that way. And AD is not quite there yet to help cover for him, if that makes sense. It it absolutely does. And to be clearer, I'm talking about like I'm looking for a criticism overall. For one, uh, Drummond was a way better defender than Anthony Davis was. Today. Yes. Way better. Like, AD made a couple of loud plays, and he, I call them his alien plays, right? Where it's like, oh, you're going to b- block Porzingis' jumper. Nobody else does that, right? And and so he, he made a couple of those plays where it's like, oh, yeah, that's that guy in there. That's what you were alluding to earlier. But he missed a ton of rotations. He did. It's just that these were our first glimpses of what could be. Like I said, this team's been so theoretical to this point. Actually seeing those guys play together after talking about it for the last month, I I'm, I was looking at it like, okay, what could be bad about this? And that's one of the things that I that I landed on. But overall, in aggregate, I'm super excited about, about that pairing. What I loved about it, though, to go to something positive, is that those are just two massive dudes and – yeah. The thing that I appreciated is that when they were both in the game, Drummond being more of the frontline guy and AD being more of a helper allowed AD to go to the defensive glass in a way that I thought was super helpful in terms of getting the Lakers in the more early offense chances and that transition from offense to de- from defense to offense I thought was cleaner and quicker at times because AD was grabbing and going. And it's the first time there has been a like a dude who was active on the glass like that. We haven't really seen that since LeBron, really, right? Mm-hmm. Almost every single time there's been a rebound, unless it's by coups, it's almost always an outlet to Schroeder or to one of the guards. And I thought the Lakers got into some early offense that really benefited them. And in forecasting this out, imagine what it could look like when that's LeBron also sweeping in and AD realizing, oh, Drummond's got this. Maybe I'm on the perimeter and I'm going to leak out a little bit more. And that's the type of stuff that I think will encourage and really promote much better 
offensive efficiency from the Lakers that we just have not seen from from a team that that's been more reliant on their half court execution than I think even their head coach wants them to have to be right my biggest big picture thought comes from the minutes of AD and Drummond playing together and envisioning LeBron on the defensive side of the court and then part of what you were just talking about Darius with the push in transition but just not just the two big, huge athletic bodies, but then a third in LeBron, who also happens to be a genius uh, in terms of what he's looking for and where he can piece together uh, parts of what he's doing. And I think that for all that we just said about Dwight and like some of his footwork and placement and hit placement is better as a defender going to the hoop. But I think Drummond can be better getting all the way out on the perimeter and and, yes. and and kind of sliding his feet in the way that LeBron and AD, and AD do, just from a from a sort of side to side short burst quickness. And Dwight's better at that even than some people think. Like he can do that um, from time to time, but usually he's going to pick up a couple fouls doing it. So that's the stuff I think that that Pete to kind of go back to you on this that at that peak level. Now that you have the two guards both playing really well, like Shooter and KCP were great tonight. It was and, a phenomenal game. And if you yeah. so if those guys having some confidence now, like KCP shot is there. Like if you can count on a certain amount of offense from those two, and then just think about what the destructive force that that a LeBron that doesn't have to do quite as much on offense when he comes back, plus AD having had a couple of weeks of games in him, plus Drummond learning how to play a little bit, Vogel helping him in the film room. Like that's the stuff that that these guys shoot a uh, shooter after the game tonight, we're like, look, we know we're going to be a problem. We don't care about the seating. You don't want to see us in a playoff series. Like, that's how they're all feeling. Like, it, we, it's a little bit like the bubble last year. We know it doesn't look great yet, but we don't have the foot on the pedal. Just, you know, just chill. <laughs> it's going to be Breathe, fine. Yeah, yeah, relax. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, for, for sure. And because this team's been so theoretical up to this point, there's a certain Christmas Eve quality to this team with AD coming back. Like that was AD. Like I know that was him, but that's not that's not like AD. He showed up a couple times on a couple plays, right? Pete, it, it's not quite Christmas Eve yet. If we've got the advent calendar out, this is like <laughs> this is like the 18th, right? The 17th or the 18th, <laughs> right? We still got about seven more pieces of chocolate before we get to before we get to the real deal. So so we're still building up here. It's not quite we're well, we're not yeah, quite there early, yet. Early Hanukkah. Early Hanukkah. There you go. There you go. Uh, But Mike, I'm glad you brought up the guards because that was the the last thing I I wanted to say was with AD coming back, this kind of represents the end of the the Dennis Schroeder Lakers, right? Like when LeBron went down, obviously this is always LeBron's team and LeBron and AD's team. But when both of those those guys went out, it was like, oh, this is going to be Dennis Schroeder for better or worse on the court is going to be his version of the Lakers. And there was a moment in the third quarter we started that third quarter really well, right? We were down by 11 and it was tied within like 90 seconds. And then we made just a couple of, we missed some rotation and give up a three. And then there's a turnover and you could see our attention starting to slip. And he's like clapping, like, come on, let's go, let's go. And he, he's like, and then he just takes over the game. He was phenomenal tonight. He was, uh, was really great in that win we had against Utah. And it was after some rough stretches, right, where I knew, I knew when LeBron went down, I was like, oh, Dennis Schroeder's going to drive me crazy for a little stretch, right? Because it's kind of just a little bit beyond where his decision-making was. And we saw that. We saw that in the turnovers. But he's cut those down. And he's, this period of time, I think that in some ways, 
Dennis benefited from AD's absence more than anybody because he has a feel now for exactly when and where to attack. And there's an assertiveness to that. And I think that's going to be one of the big storylines coming up going forward. So we got one more game against the Mavericks uh, on, on Saturday. We'll be back to discuss that and a lot more, including Schroeder and, and how he adjusts to life, not being the first option anymore. The next time on the Baker Football Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, missing. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.